on earth as it is in heaven. So just as I, I, just as, as I told the kids just now, when Jesus was asked by his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray, this is the first thing Jesus told his disciples to pray for. Now, this is from what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. When we look at that prayer, the very first thing, after giving glory and praise to the Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So in that prayer, that prayer begins by offering praise and glory, declaring the holiness, venerating the name of God, the Father in heaven. But the first thing that Jesus tells us that we're praying for, he says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in this prayer, Jesus is teaching us the expressed will of God for his creation. So we... um, me and Bradley and Jesse were blessed to get to go to a uh, course over Friday and Saturday put on by the Theopolis Institute up in Fort Worth at uh, All Saints Presbyterian Church. It was a great time. Um, as I sit there and listen to Peter Lightheart teach, I realized how little I actually know. But you know, this is what happens when you read and study the Scripture. The more you learn about God, the more you realize how little you really know about Him. That's not a bad thing. When people say, oh yeah, I've read the Bible, I know that. No, they don't. Uh, Because there is no end to our knowing God. There is no end to the revelation of God. So as deep as you want to look, as deep as you want to dig, as deep as you want to go in God, you can go there if you want to do that. And so, um, the course that we set in was called, What is Creation? And I'm not really going to rehash the course, but there was, uh, because I couldn't. Uh, it, it, was, um, it was very thought-provoking. But there was one point, actually at the end of our discussion yesterday, there were a number of readings that were given to us that we were to read before we went and took the course. And of course, the course was centered in Genesis chapter 1. And I am going to read to you from Genesis chapter 1, uh, and then I'm going to read a portion of a reading uh, that we, we had that is going to be relevant to our subject today, which is on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that as we go. But let's read Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 1. And then I'm going to skip down and I'm going to read to you verses 26, 27, and 28. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said... Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, those profound words in the beginning... God created. Lord, we acknowledge you today as our creator. We acknowledge that we are the creation and that you are the creator. Father, I pray that you would help us always walk in a way 
that we hold ourselves in our proper place. And we hold you in your proper place. That you are the creator, not the created. And that you are absolutely, completely other than we are. You are so far above, so much higher. It is beyond our human ability to comprehend. But Father, we thank you that you condescended and came to this earth and your dear son took on flesh and lived as a human on this earth, though sinless, suffering the same temptations, suffering pain and ultimately death for us. God, we thank you that you in your creation, purposed to bring us into being, to create us and to make us creations that bear your image. The only thing of your creation that is said to be created in the image and the likeness of God. Father, you did that on purpose that we would fill this creation, fill this earth with your image that we could be like you and build and create and do glorious things because you, in your glory, blessed us, created us, and graced us to walk in this earth as your image bearers. Father, help us to bear that image well that we would individually and corporately bring glory the glory do your name as we bear that image in your creation. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Those words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, are not words that we can look over. If we don't believe the first verse of the Bible, it's very difficult to believe anything else. In fact, I would submit to you that you really cannot truly believe anything else if you do not believe that God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this, uh, this course that I went to was not about rocks or the age of the earth or anything like that. It wasn't uh, an apologia for um, refuting, you know, atheistic scientists and evolutionists. It wasn't that at all. I want to read to you, just very briefly, just a paragraph from one of the readings, and it, it's actually why I'm doing this message today. Um, In this reading, I highlighted this, uh, the, the part, of this, part of this paragraph. And this, this reading has to do with the image of God. What does it mean to be the image of God? What, is it, what does the image of God mean? What does it mean uh, in creation? What does it mean for humanity? It was a very um, in-depth um, writing on that, and we only had just a portion to read, but at the very end of this paper on the image of God, there is this part in the last paragraph that says, this climactic fulfillment of the Imago Dei, the image of God, is portrayed through the figure of the New Jerusalem. The climactic fulfillment of the image of God is portrayed in the figure of the New Jerusalem, which comprises both redeemed people and holy city, and is described as a cube, so it's width, length, height, it's a cube. If you read 
the measurements in the Revelation 21, 16. The descriptive shape of the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem temple. Thus, the city as people is the center of God's presence in a renewed cosmos. The climactic fulfillment of the image of God is portrayed through the figure of the new Jerusalem, the city, which is comprised of both redeemed people and holy city. And that holy city is the shape of a cube, which was the shape, the same as the holy of holies for the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God dwelt. Now, we, we talked about this in, in, in great depth when we went through the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights a few months ago or last year, whenever we did it. That the, the mention of that city is not accidental, and the fact that that city is called the Bride of Christ is not accidental. God is using this language, He's using this symbolism to communicate something to us. And I submit to you it's something much greater than what we typically get when we read Left Behind books or watch those kinds of movies. Trust me, what God is communicating to us is so far greater than, than anything like that. And so, when we, when we read that, which speaks of the very end of the Bible, so that imagery is given to us in Revelation 21, Revelation 22, it continues there and it describes the river and the lease for the healing of the nations, and it says there that the curse is no more, and there's no need for sun or moon because, because the Lamb is the light. This is the image at the end of Scripture. This is the image at the end of the Bible. But today, we're going back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Specifically, there's a lot we could talk about there, but specifically I want to talk about man. Because man is the one of whom it said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And as we were talking about this, as we were discussing this reading, Peter Lightheart said something that I thought was, it was profound for me. It's what Jesus taught us to pray, but I, th I think sometimes we read the words of Scripture and we recite the Lord's Prayer and we say things, but we don't really capture what we're really saying and what we're really praying. We're saying words, we're praying words, and God knows what we're saying, and God knows what we're praying, but do we know what we're saying, and do we know what we're praying? So, I want to talk about God's agenda today. God has an agenda, and it is a glorious agenda, as everything God does is glorious. Past, present, and future. The past, present, and future will of God. So whether we're in Genesis 1-1 at the beginning, or whether in Revelation chapter 22, looking at the end and the consummation of all things, the past, the present, and the future will of God is that it would be on earth just as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, God says, so let it be on earth. This is God's agenda. God's agenda for the world is to make earth like heaven. The whole course of human history is to make earth more and more like heaven until one day they will be one. You realize everybody has this idea that we're all going to heaven. We're going to live up in heaven. And I think people don't read the Bible very carefully because if you re actually read the Bible, heaven's coming to earth. We're not going to be floating in the clouds for eternity, strumming our little harps with little cherub wings. No. You're going to live in a human body on a physical earth with Jesus Christ, with God present, tabernacling with you on this creation, with no curse. And it's going to be glorious. And we are all thinking, or at least many Christians are, I had a discussion with the pastor the other day. 
And this pastor, this person asked me, why do, why do people think, we were talking about, why do people think, you know, this big thing's going to happen? I said, well, because men have erroneously taught them that some big thing's going to happen. And we're waiting for some big thing to happen. The rapture. Big thing. And then God's going to pour out his spirit, and we're all going to get uh, evacuated out of here, and then all hell's going to break loose on earth. And we're going to be up in heaven, floating around, playing our harps, and flying around with our cherub wings. No, that's actually not true. And I know people don't really believe that. Some people do, but people who know their Bible don't really believe that. But some people do believe that we're going to get evacuated out of the earth, and all hell is going to break loose. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until... Finally, we're taken out, and then Jesus comes. I would, I would submit to you that I would encourage you to read your Bible more carefully if that is what you believe. Read your Bible more carefully. Before we go off saying that the world is getting worse and worse and worse and worse, I would encourage you to stop and think for a moment not in a snapshot, but in the long scope of history, look at the world and then tell me the world is actually getting worse. I mean, it's pretty bad in here today because our AC's not working. So it may get a little warm in here as you sit on your nice cushioned chairs. Thank God it went out in, you know, late fall, early winter instead of the summertime. I'm being somewhat facetious there. Do you realize how blessed we are, how good things are? They're so good that, that we, we, we just take so much for granted. And so, this agenda that God has to make earth more like heaven until one day they will be one. The earth was initially dark, you read on in Genesis there, then God said, let there be light. And God heavenizes. That was a word Peter Lightheart used. I, I liked it. I don't think it's a real word, but when God said, let there be light, he heavenized the earth. There's not darkness in heaven. You do understand that, right? There's no darkness with the Lord. There is no darkness in God. God is light. Jesus is the light. There is no darkness, no variableness, nor shadow of turning in Him. No shadows in Him. And God heavenized the earth when He allowed the light, His light, to illuminate it. Then He made a sun and a moon later on. But at the entrance of light into the creation, it became as it is in heaven. So we might say this, the very first thing that God did to heavenize earth was to let there be light. And through time, what is to happen? More and more light is to fill the earth. Now I'm not just talking about light like your flashlight or sunlight. You do realize there's, there's other kinds of light. Paul prayed for the Ephesian church I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be opened or illuminated. The Holy Spirit is in you to illuminate or to light up, to give light to the Word of God, the truth of God. And we live in a world filled with darkness and we are the image bearers, or we could say it like this, we are the light bearers of God. We bear His light. If we bear His image, we bear His light. And we are to take that light into this world and dispel the darkness. You do realize every time light enters a dark scene, the darkness never wins. Have you ever turned on the light to see the light dispel the darkness and the darkness push it back? No, it never happens. Light always overcomes darkness. Light always dispels darkness. Well, how are we going to get more and more light to fill earth? We're going to obey what God said. 
We're going to be fruitful and we're going to multiply. We're going to subdue the earth and we're going to rule over it, take dominion. Boy, there are people today who do not like that language. More and more light is to fill the earth. More and more life is to fill the earth. More and more on earth it shall be as it is in heaven. This is what's happening. This is what has been happening since in the beginning. And God said, let there be light. It has never stopped happening and it will never stop happening until heaven and earth become one. This is the increase of his government and peace which shall have no end. And we are his ambassadors taking the message of the kingdom and advancing the kingdom of light into the darkness. In Genesis 1, we immediately see earth becoming like heaven. And it is a preview of what ultimate, of the ultimate destiny of the creation. So that very brief and broad overview of God's agenda to make earth like heaven speaks of God's work in creation. And central in all of God's work is man. That means that you and I and all humanity is central to God's agenda of making earth like heaven. In fact, without man, it cannot and it will not happen. God has chosen. This is why he created man. He created man and he chose and he chooses to work through man. You do realize God could have done it any way he wanted. But even God himself the second person of the triune Godhead, God himself put on human flesh and became a man. This is how committed God is to working through his humanity created in his image. Man made in the image of God. The prayer Jesus commands us to pray cannot be fulfilled without Man. Man is the agent that's going to cause his kingdom to fill this earth. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is going to fill this earth through men, through humanity, who bear the image of God. Of all creation, only man is described as being created in the image and likeness of God. This implies much more than we have time for today. But there's one aspect that I want to touch on. The reason man is central to God's agenda is to make earth like heaven. It's because God ordained it to be so. God purposefully made man in his image, thus making man central to all that God purposes for his creation. Now think about the environmental movement today. I mean, if you guys have been paying attention to the news, you know they just had the summit in Glasgow, Scotland, um, you know, putting out all of the doom and gloom about how the earth is going to, to be drowned and climate's changing so drastically that we're all going to die. And all the beautiful places on earth are going to be submerged underwater. And, and you have these false images that are put out on uh, social media that are false. But people don't take time to, 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 to see whether this is a real image or not. It even says right there, this is, a, this is an artist's uh, depiction of what they believe will happen if climate change is unabated. But they put these images there that look like photographs, and people are seeing those, and they think, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was actually happening. It's not. They can't tell you how we got palm trees under the South Pole either. But they're there. They found them. They know they're there. They don't know how they got there. By the way, the South Pole is getting bigger. They don't ever tell you that. The North Pole is getting smaller. And the environmental movement today is in direct opposition to God's agenda of what? 
His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how is that going to happen? He commanded man, he gave man the mandate to go, subdue the earth, take dominion, fill it, be fruitful, multiply. And this movement is in direct opposition because they have rejected the God of the Bible, the true and living creator for a belief system that makes the natural world and man himself the idol they worship. The irony of this is that, and I'm just using this as one example, because it's a good example. The irony of this movement is that fallen men have dethroned man from his God-ordained position as ruler. That's what the word dominion, take dominion, means to rule. They've dethroned man from his position as ruler over the creation while at the same time proclaiming that man is the only savior of the creation. How can it be both ways? Man alone is made in the image of God. God has commanded man to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it, to have dominion or to rule over it and everything in it. And God uniquely qualified and ordained man for this responsibility by making man in his own image. To be made in the image of God, at least in part, means to do exactly what God has commanded man to do as his image bearer in the creation. Man is to pray and to work for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now Jesus said, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But just because Jesus didn't say pray and work doesn't mean we don't work. Because Jesus said, keep my commandments. Keep, that's an action verb. Do. Do something. And so when we talk about God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven, it means that we need to be praying and seeking and striving to make earth more and more like heaven that the earth will be conformed to the image of heaven as the man is conformed to the image of the God of heaven. The earth is to be conformed to heaven just as man is to be conformed to the God of heaven. We know that day will come because it's it's recorded for us in the Bible. Revelation 21 Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That goes on. I would encourage you to read it. It's very encouraging. And I don't want you to think that that's just something. uh, It is something in the future, but I... I don't want you to have this attitude that many Christians do that I'm just figuring out how to survive on earth till I get to heaven. That's not what Jesus commanded us to do. When Jesus gave the parable and he said, occupy until I come, be busy about the business of the kingdom, that is telling us we work. We obey. We do what Jesus commanded us to do. How long? Until he comes again. Until what I just read to you becomes a reality on this planet, on this earth. And it's not our place to try to figure out when that's going to happen. A lot of people were disappointed this last September because they were convinced the rapture was going to happen. I know because I talked to some of them. I'm talking about pastors, men of God who preach these things from their pulpits, telling people to get ready because the rapture's going to happen. You're going to escape this horrible earth Makes me want to pull my hair out, but I don't have any hair, so I can't. Because what we need to be doing is reading the Scripture and understanding what we're really supposed to be doing. Jesus didn't say, wait and be ready and I'll 
I'll, I'll beam you out, Scotty. He said, be busy about the business of the kingdom until I come again. And the business of the kingdom is to make earth more and more like heaven until the king of heaven comes. Man is doing the work of God. This is why God created man as his image bearer, to do his work, to do his will in his creation. If earth is to become like heaven, if we're, if we're going to see the kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to know what our responsibility is. We have already talked about our first responsibility in this regard, and it, it is to pray. To pray. We are to pray specifically that his kingdom come and his will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray this, when we pray for uh, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are to believe that God is actually answering that prayer. And this is where I would tell you to take a step back and stop looking at snapshots and, and look at the history of this creation. And when you look at the history of this creation, how can you not see that God has been answering this prayer and doing this all along from a dark, wet void comes light from God. And from that comes everything else in the creation. From that comes a fall. And from the fall comes a promise of a seed who would come. And you know what? They had to wait a long time for that seed to come. And they would have been tempted to look at snapshots in history and say, the seed's not coming, the seed's not coming. But now we have the luxury of looking at 4,000 years of history from the beginning to the birth of Christ. And over the course of that 4,000 years of history, to use a round figure, we can see how God was answering that prayer and making earth more like heaven constantly, continuously. Because we can see, even just in this, we can see the lineage of how God brought the promised seed through the Virgin Mary. Millennia after the promise was made. When we pray His kingdom come, His will be done, we must work to that end as well as pray to that end. I believe this is one reason God links His people to the image of a city. We can pray for a city, but the city will not come to manifestation unless someone builds it. You can pray for a house. Somebody's got to build the house. We're praying for, for earth to become more like heaven. And we just think it's just magically going to happen? No. Men have been building. Men have been working. Men have brought about an earth that is more like heaven than it was in the beginning. And we should understand the vital importance of prayer, not only for cities, but in all things. At the same time, we must understand that when we pray, there is an obedience and a work associated with the things we pray for. For example, as we pray for the church to grow and increase spiritually and physically, we must also work to that end. We must do our own part to supply what is needed for the body to be built up in love. We must plant and water seed in ourselves as well as in those around us. We must seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And when we do that, the promise is that God will add all the things that we need. We won't have to worry about that. We must put our hand to the plow and not look back. And all the while, we work 
and pray, we trust God for the increase. But God does not bring the increase apart from our working and our praying. There must be prayer and there must be work. And if we are to see earth become more and more like heaven, this is God's agenda. And we are the ones ordained to carry it out. We are His image bearers that are to fill the earth with that glorious image. God is a builder. And part of being created in the image of God is to be like God in our work. As God's image bearers, we are called to the work of building in all of its creativity, in all of its glory, in all of the satisfaction that we can obtain from those that work and those accomplishments. God made us that way. One of the ways that we're called to build is to build up one another in love. Ephesians 4, 5, 15, and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying or the building up of itself in love. We are called to the work of building up the body. We're called to build one another up in love. This is an important way that we are called to be building the city of God, or we are called to make earth more and more as it is in heaven. We're called to be builders. We are to build in all ways. In in all the ways you can think about, we're called to build in those ways. And we do it to the glory of God. I want to look at the letter Jeremiah sent to the exiles in Babylon because I think it's helpful in understanding what I'm, what I'm talking about here and what it is that we are called to do here. Jeremiah chapter 29 is uh, a letter that Jeremiah writes to the exiles in Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 4, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused, whom I have caused, not the devil, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it is for it. Pray, I'm sorry, and pray to the Lord for it, for the city. For in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. This is a very relevant word for, for our, the day we're living in right now. Don't let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams, which you cause yourself to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Well, if God was just a loving God and really cared about his people, he could have just avoided the whole captivity thing to begin with, right? Why didn't he just skip that and go ahead and bless them the way he promised to bless them after 70 years? Well, it doesn't work that way. That'd be like a farmer saying, well, why didn't I get a crop of corn? I planted sticker burrs. And all I got are stickers. But, but I thought for sure I was going to get corn or wheat. No, you, you reaped what you sowed. And it takes time for a crop to be planted and to grow to maturity and to reap. 
So I want you to see this. Even while in captivity, God's people were to be building. Build houses, he said. If you, do you realize if you build enough houses, you, you know what you'll end up with? You'll end up with a city. You know that's how all of our cities got started? Somebody came to this area in 1876 and they built a house. And they kept building and pretty soon you had Taylorsville. I think that was its original name. Build houses, God said. Build gardens. Plant gardens. We could say, we could say like this. Build gardens and eat their fruit. Make useful your land. Make it fruitful. Make it life-sustaining. Make it beautiful. Make it life-giving and glorious, just as your God is. Build families. Take wives. Have your sons and daughters marry. Make lots of kids. Increase. Build families. The increase of families is the increase of God's city. Build relationships. Seek the peace of the city. How do, you, how do you live in peace? This speaks of our relationships. God says, build relationships. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be and pray, for the, pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. Wherever you are and whatever we do, we are called to be like God. We are called to be working and building for His glory. We are to pray and to work for heaven on earth. That's God's agenda. That's what He's called us to do. Christ promised that He is building His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus makes that promise. There is, not great, there is no greater way that we build than through the gospel of Christ. Jesus promised to build his church. He promised the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We've been commanded by the Lord to go and to make disciples of the nations. We build through the proclamation of the gospel and the work of making disciples. So we go forward to John's image in Revelation, and when John sees the holy city coming down, it is, it is the result of all of this work that we're talking about. It is the result of obedience to the great, the great Commission to go to the nations and disciple them, to make disciples. And, and to not stop until Jesus comes. This is what we call the Great Commission. This is very similar to me than the mandate in Genesis. When God says, go, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth and have dominion over it. Jesus comes. Jesus, the Son of God, the one through whom and by whom and for whom all things were created. He comes to his disciples and he speaks to that group of disciples, but he's not just speaking to them. He's speaking to all of us today throughout the ages until there are no more ages until that final age of eternity is here and heaven and earth are meld together and become one and this is what Jesus told his disciples his new creations to do as they go out into his new creation to birth to disciple a new humanity, not those born of the first Adam in the first humanity, but those born of the last Adam in the new humanity. You do realize Jesus is the new humanity. There is no one of the old humanity, there is no one of the first Adam who will inherit eternity with Jesus. Only those who are born again of the new Adam, who are of the new humanity, and this is what Jesus is saying now at the new creation. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Why? Why can we go? Because Jesus has all authority and he has commanded us to go. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus is saying to his disciples, go forth, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the creation with my image. It's just another way of saying it, but it is the exact same mandate, the exact same commandment. And how do we make earth more like heaven? We disciple the nations. We make disciples. This is how we do it. Who do we disciple? We disciple any and everyone who will be discipled. Parents are commanded to disciple their children, and that process begins in the parent before the child is even born. When we disciple our children, we are making earth more like heaven. We are to proclaim the gospel to all creation. We're commanded to make disciples of all, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded. And when we do this, we are making earth more like heaven. We are to walk by faith, the Bible says, and not by sight. We need to be careful because if you're walking by sight, you're going to think this may not be happening. You're going to be tempted to believe that earth is not becoming more like heaven. In fact, it may be just the opposite from your perspective. But that's not true. That's a lie just as in the beginning, the lie the serpent gave to Adam and Eve. He brings the same lie to us today. He tempts us not to believe God's word. And God's word is clear. We walk by faith and not by sight. As we obey Christ, as we do the work He has commanded us to do, we make earth more and more like heaven. You've got to believe this, church, because this is the word of God. Don't believe it because I say it. Believe it because this is what the word says. This is the history of humanity. This is the history of of creation. And God is allowing us to see how this is transpiring all around us. If you go back and you look at the Arabian desert 50 years ago, you know what you won't see? You won't see a whole lot of what you'll see there now. Just Google the city of Dubai and look at the photos of that city. That city was literally built out of a desert. No trees there. No resources there except oil. Man demonstrates this constantly. I'm not saying it's always good, it's always right. There's always a counterfeit. Always there's a counterfeit. We're not to to go for the counterfeit. We're to know what is true. And we're to obey the truth. And know that God has commanded us to pray and to work that earth would become more and more like heaven. You might start by just planting some flowers in your flower bed or painting your house or washing your car or combing your hair if you have any. I, you, there's, there's small ways and there's great ways we do this, but we are always doing this. We always have opportunity. So be purposeful as you live your life. Be purposeful. Pray and work that earth would become more like heaven because that's our destiny. Let's get ready to come to the table. I want you to think about God's amazing grace in allowing us to be part of this process. God created us and put us here 
and gave us an earth, and he says, now heavenize it. And he, he, he commands us to do that, not just with the earth. He commands us to do that with ourselves, with our families, on our jobs, in our work and play, in our everyday lives. Christian, as you trust in Jesus, as you count yourself a member of his covenant people, come to the table and welcome to Jesus. Let's all stand. So in our charge today, as you go about your daily lives, as we all go about our daily lives doing daily things, I want to encourage you, because this is what God charges us to do, and this is the attitude God charges us to have, that we would never think that we are not working to build His city. That we would never believe that our work, even the most mundane of it, does not matter. So as we are working for His glory and doing all as unto Him, let our work not, not be seen as fruitless. Because our work in Christ makes a real, lasting, eternal difference. Because the city that John saw coming down from heaven is an eternal city. It is the city we are all a part of building. As you pray and work faithfully, know that His kingdom is coming, that His will is being done on earth as it is in heaven, and that one day earth will be conformed to heaven, and it will not happen without our faithful prayers and our hard work. It will happen. It will happen. God has declared it. God has shown it to us. So let us each do our part for His glory and for the glory of that holy city that we are all members of in Christ. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Christ Jesus our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.